Welcome to The Road Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, role is high fit. Compassion, great passion, fiction, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training, pain. Pain. (laughs) Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another awesome episode of The Row Show. And today we have a very exciting episode. We fresh fresh ended the, the drama and the emotions at the final qualification. And I think uh, this year has definitely been an, a special um, regatta, even amongst the the, the the editions of it in the past. I think this one has been particularly brutal and crazy. And as always, we have Lawrence on the show, just qualified for the games. Welcome, Lawrence. We're back. Oh, hello, ladies and gents. And oh, it's nice to be back on the show. I'm sorry I missed the hype train earlier in the week. Obviously, I was uh, getting ready for some big racing. And yeah, it's uh, been a pretty tough day in the office, but super, super chuffed to be uh, going through, book the ticket to Tokyo, and really happy to now be able to talk about the the insane racing that we had this uh, this weekend. Yeah, and then someone, unfortunately, hasn't got their... Uh, ticket booked to Tokyo, but has had his experience at the Olympic Games, both good and bad. James Thompson, you're back. Yes, I see the the fans must have been calling uh, after one episode, <laughs> straight back on for round two. So it's great to be back, and uh, hopefully, um, hopefully we can add some words of wisdom. But obviously, Lawrence has had the first hand experience out here, and I suspect you've also that result today, Jakey, is obviously also really positive for you. Yeah, no, so that's a positive result for me too. That means that I'm also heading to, off to Tokyo in the men's pay uh, for South Africa. This uh, race uh, with Lawrence confirming his place also confirmed my place. So in a weird twist of events, our fates were intertwined. So I'm also heading off to Tokyo. So I was quite chuffed running next to the boat racing today, seeing them cross the line first. Do no, no, no work today and I've got a tick for Tokyo. That doesn't work like that often, eh? <laughs> yeah, that does not happen very often. <laughs> Although, as an athlete, as an athlete waiting on somebody else's performance to determine your fate is not a, a very nice place to be in. No, no, it's not. It's not particularly nice place to be in. But I mean, today there's a lot of uh, there's been a lot of emotions, both happy and I like the way Martin Cross said on his commentary. There's going to be ma- mo- mainly tears today, and I think you know that's that sums up the the brutality of this event and. Today, that double schedule racing, semi-finals and finals in one day, that is crazy. Um, and I think that's, that must have been quite something to go through. Hey, Lawrence. Yeah, I must say, when the, when the announcement came yesterday after our heats, like that they're going to double up the racing, my emotional state and my nerves just skyrocketed. It was outrageous to suddenly have to think, oh, my word, we have to now go from uh, a, a big heat and a two days of racing coming on to drop back then back to back semi and final. And I mean, uh, we were talking about it earlier is how I've, I don't think anyone knows of a race, uh, international race, world cup or world champs where you've had to race back to back within two hours. And it's not only like a heat and a rep, but a semi and a final it was absolutely brutal. I mean, we got off the water off our warm down 
and there was 40 minutes of chill time downtime before we we had to go get uh, warmed up for for the final so it was quite uh, quite something to to go through yeah i mean that's that's quite wild and for those listeners out there they decided to do that because they um apparently the weather forecast for monday tomorrow is apparently a bit whoa jake so they decided to wrap they, it up they heard the row show and they realized that putting it on a monday was a mistake <laughs> they packed it all in there on the sunday yeah <laughs> no they heard james uh the james criticism and they took that one to heart eh after you roasted them about the video feed and the first air race. James, you've been on the James has been on the on the world rowing war path the whole bloody weekend, having these well, guys. I felt I, I felt like the Monday thing was a mess. Was like outrageous. I didn't know what the hell they were doing there. And then the other thing was the the video feed. I got a bit of heated with uh, on. On, on the Twitter feed, I was asking like, is this for real? Do we really not have a video feed for like what the most epic racing of the year? It's 2021. And they're like, no, we've got this live tracker, which is how I used to watch racing in 2000. <laughs> and here we are, 2021, 21 years later, still watching racing exactly the same way. It's just outrageous. But tops off, they got the video feed, they accelerated, they got some video to us today. So it was really cool that they managed to obviously under tough conditions, changing schedule, they still managed to get the video feed out for the finals. So tops on them for, yeah. for at least getting that that And line. so on the other on the, what I heard about the change of the schedule was that they were worried, not necessarily about how bad the weather's gonna be tomorrow, but that they worried that the weather tomorrow is going to be unfair on the course. And then they didn't want to have that and have issues about fairness uh going into racing and with the World Cup coming up on the weekend and all the COVID regulations around each regatta, they didn't have the extra day to, okay, well, if it's bad on Monday, we'll postpone it to Tuesday. So they just kind of cashed their chips, said, cool, well, let's race it all on uh, on Sunday and, and get out the way. I'm just not sure why they batted it so close together because we were packing up at the boat park, getting uh, leaving at about, I don't know, hoppers one, two, and the water was pristine. I was like, oh, could have been racing right now. That would have uh, yeah. given us a bit of a breather. But on the other hand, uh, sport is entertainment as well. And that they maybe that was uh, quite an exciting day for the fans. Uh, just yeah, my... I, I thought it was. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was like lunchtime, and then all the all the action had been done and dusted. Everyone's got their places. I I must say, I I think if the conditions um, were going to be unfair and they're worried about that, I'm happy that they made the call to do the racing today because I fucking there's nothing thing nothing worse than having races uh, being decided by um you know conditions that's that's not the way to do it but they've also been but criticized I, in the past I, a lot about being too slow like Amsterdam there was lots of talk like they were too, I, yeah. I, I quite like the Amsterdam decisions don't get me wrong but, yeah I'm sure you do James <laughs> but there are lots of criticisms are a lot of like the previous racing that they're too slow to make decisions and too slow to change things and here they were like bang on I think like as a spectator listening to a lot of the commentary there was no like preemptive talk i don't know like you might have obviously were much more feet on the ground you guys might have known that there was this murmur of is there something going to change in the schedule but as a spectator it was just like cold just bam here ch massive change of schedule radical um which tops off well done to them on taking the initiative and making sure racing was as fair as it possibly could be for such a critical event you know that's i think that's a, a step you start taking and i mean it's kind of i think it worked out well i don't understand why they didn't make the the racing later on during the day because i think their last race came down at 20 past 12 so that's quite ridiculous to get you know it's the 
that tight turnaround. But I mean, it, it is a good step going forward, and hopefully, you know, they can they continue to keep it like this, um, keeping the initiative going because I think uh, it's uh, definitely a, a good step. But about the racing, wow, there was some there was some crackerjack races. I think right off the bat, I want to I want to chat about that that men's age race. Um, just you know, we really wanted to see a big thing that James and I spoke about in the last episode was seeing you know how how the New Zealand eights uh, would do, and I think they they performed like I think we expected. Well, at least we hoped them uh, they would perform, and I think you know considering the caliber of athletes um, in that boat and how they've performed in the past, it's no surprise that they came away with the win. Romania has such good form that second place, and I think both those boats are going to be very competitive in that field going forward. Yeah, so 1.2 seconds over Romania. Like, it's not a massive win, but in the eight, that is pretty solid. Um, but I just think, like, the class of those two crews shows then after that. Um, you're pushing most of nine seconds um, off the back of that. Um, so, so, sorry, seven seconds. But that's a big, in, a, in an eight, seven seconds over the rest of the field. It really is quite something. Um, so, yeah, as you say, the class of those two crews right up there. Um, and definitely going to be interesting to see where they where the chips land with those big boys um i really am are they are they racing the next are they racing lucerne like do you know um no i know the i don't think so i don't think either of them are um but we'll have to uh, entries come out today or tomorrow uh so we'll have to wait and see they might uh, they might still be there it was it was it's really hard to tell because the all the shipping containers They've like uh, Empach and Felipe have their last containers going, and they obviously were waiting for this regatta to send out the last boats. So every boat was getting derigged. Even our boats, uh, that the, even the people that have qualified, their boats have been derigged and, and shipped out. So it wasn't like, oh, you could see whose racks, whose boats are still on the rack uh, to see who was still racing on the weekend. Uh, just who's going to stay for next weekend. So then are you racing a different boat? You, you re-rig new boats? Yeah, so... Yeah, so Felipe's have us have an, uh, they have another boat for us to race uh, this coming weekend because our boats had to get going. Okay. Um, yeah, just now you know you have another blocked um, uh, blocked Suez Canal and our boats don't make it to uh, to Tokyo. Yes, no, please, <laughs> we don't need that. More drama after this bloody regatta. Um, <laughs> but John, I mean, like, so the men's aid, I think it's there is fair amount you you can certainly say that they're going to be competitive just based on the fact that that Romanian eight race that uh, Europeans not too long ago came second, top two, and all the other eights that uh, they're going to have to race against barring probably Canada, I think. No, 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 Canada Canada doesn't have it. I'm thinking about the women's eight. But yeah, I think all all the eights they've, uh, they've raced against. And um, yeah, I think New Zealand beat Romania by the same margin that GB eight, that one Europeans beat uh, New Zealand by. Yeah, it's. I think it's. There's a lot in there. I think the other thing, just to touch off on the, on the, on obviously New Zealand, only one boat qualified. We discussed that they only sent one, which is really interesting. But I think the the converse of that is the countries that um, did really more. Uh, New Zealand got one. Um, New Zealand got one more. The UK leaving with no more seats booked, so they just leave with ten. Um, for me, that's. I think they definitely arrived here with some intent to get that done. Um, yeah, so a total of ten for them. It is a good, it is a good total. Um, but yeah, I think they they would be a bit disappointed from that. But Russia, definitely the big winners of the day. 
um, with five spots. I think that's pretty crazy from late qualifiers. I, I don't think I can remember anyone else doing five at a late qualifiers before. No, no, not at all. Um, and that that is really impressive. I mean, the, the some of the the boats that uh, the countries entered did didn't do do as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Russia five five out of eight entries or nine entries, I think they managed to get through. So I think um, you know the the COVID lockdown has been good to them, and you know they've had some they've had some good training out there in the in the Russian tundra. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm always a bit suspicious of. Uh of some of the the Russians and the the Chinese and you know they've had a bad history in the past so it's always uh, a little bit suspicious to see what they uh, go forward and and when they come in they have big res- results like that especially after covid where we know that uh, drug free sport really struggled to to test a lot of people so i think that is i don't know i'm just glad that i don't have any chinese or uh, russians in in the men's four there's big interesting things happening there with those results but i mean if you look at the if the countries how how they perform based off the you know the the entries that they put in i think germany probably had one of the toughest uh times the regatta i think they only managed to qualify one boat out of i think seven seven entries so i think a real tough um uh, tough uh, day for germany out there but i mean a du- uh, what a boat to qualify! They managed to qualify the women's double with Anna Katerine Tila um, in it, who's a, a gold medalist from the Olympic Games. And she, you know, it's uh, it's not uncommon to see such caliber of athletes racing here. So really awesome to see um, her performance there. Um, yeah, I thought. Uh, well, I thought that's awesome. I mean, uh, at, uh, at, uh, sorry, uh, Katerine Tila is amazing. I mean, she's such a phenomenal athlete. And I mean, I was just in general surprised. Maybe that's just because I was more in the regatta, but there was a lot of big names racing at this regatta. You know, there's a lot of Olympic medalists, a lot of people that are coming out the woodwork to to race. I mean, even in our event, uh, just out of the the top three crews, actually just out of the A final, there's like uh, uh, Olympic medalists, world champions. I mean, we have Germany uh, um, with Max Planner even holding the eight world record uh, racing in the men's four. So they, I mean, they're just across each event, there's big names and, uh, and big results. So yeah, I mean, I think there's always uh, uh, big athletes come out the woodwork for, for late qualifications and, uh, and some big results. Yeah. And I think James, tell us, who do you think, who do you think the performers are at this regatta and how, how they'll stack up uh, against the bigger opposition down the line? Well, I think you had to take your events that you think would, would do well. I think, yeah. So obviously we often see the big, some big results here lead to medals um, across at, uh, at the games. And um, it's certainly not the easy way, which we discussed uh, the, the, just before the regatta. But I think the German, that German result you spoke about, I'm just looking at it now nine seconds they they managed to beat gb by so it's a massive margin to to get in to qualify there so i'd be interested to see how that russian and german women's double go um but for me just touching on the germans um i think it's the power the powerhouse of german sweep rowing is in question there hey? um they've qualified just the eight obviously the eight is still the eight yeah. so that's a big boat there are a lot of athletes in there but um, they've only, if I if I've got uh, it right, they've only qualified the the men's eight, um, which is yeah, you got that which right. Which you go back a number of years, and that's just absolutely crazy. Um, I think that I um, the Irish women's four, I was just really impressed with how they looked, and actually the Canadian lightweight men's mm. double um, looked very like really long, lanky athletes. Um, 
from the little bit that I could see from the, the video. Um, I'd be really interested to see how they shape up going forward. Um, so, yeah, there's some lots of quality guys coming through, lots of young guys. Um, and But I was also surprised, like Lauren said, there's some big names that were still on the, on the cards here and a lot more unhappy big names than, than happy. Um, and then the last thing that just yeah. jumped off the page for me was the USA woman. Um, if the German sweep was in question there, the powerhouse men sweep program, the USA woman got a full house. Um, every single woman's event after the lightweight woman qualified today is qualified for the US women. And I think in modern um, in, in modern times, that's pretty wild. Eh? Um, I think that's that's a very, very impressive performance. It just shows you what they've got there. Yeah, I mean, that is a phenomenal uh, achievement to get all of those boats in. And, you know, that women's aid has struggled a little bit, but I think with the young team uh, and the and the extended uh, year with COVID, I think that the American women's aid is going to come out guns blazing at the beginning of this, uh, or, or, or when we see them race, probably only at at Tokyo. But I think they're going to be a, a big force to, to go against the Australian and the New Zealand aids that we saw back in way back in 2019 yeah i mean you guys are touching on a couple things i want to get into there but i think you know uh james mentioned them earlier i think the irish women's four definitely i think i think out of the out of all the crews that have come to this regatta and made almost a kind of like a a disturbance in the the the, the fact of how the event works i think they probably have got raised maybe the most eyebrows if you from an outsider looking in and uh, it is a young crew, and they, they rode, as always, Lawrence and I have got a, a spreadsheet where we crunch the numbers, and uh, we, we see how the events stack up based off their world best time. And Irish women in the women's four were the second fastest time um, today with 95.5%, only 0.06% behind the life rate women's double. So we know that's very competitive, in, um, especially in the women's four, and I think you know, that's uh, going forward, second World Cup, I really hope to see them racing because, you know, they had a good performance at Europeans, but yo, I think they can definitely make, make themselves felt at, uh, at a larger stage against some stiffer competition. Um, also, that Irish women's four rode really nicely. It was awesome to, to see them training and, and racing down the track. I thought they really long, really smooth, and uh, just really clinical down the, the middle of the racetrack, which was uh, always, always awesome to watch. And I always think that that women's four is just going to become uh, you know, a better and better event to watch as uh, bigger countries get involved in that event because obviously it's quite new to the, the Olympic Games. So it's really going to be, I think, just go strength to strength. Yeah, we were discussing that earlier today. Is this the first year that, I mean, the first Olympic cycle that it's in or is this the second Olympic cycle that's back? This is the first? Yeah, first one. Yeah, this is the first one. So it's just amazing to see like sweet programs like Ireland. Normally, like if we look back, there's no way Ireland would have jumped from having just a woman's pair to a woman's no. There's no way we would have had an Ireland's women's yeah. four years ago. No. But like just having that boat that's just obviously four seats smaller makes it such a much more realistic program. It develops the women's sport so much better. Um, as someone who was like involved in the lightweight seeing and like and very disappointed to see the lightweight four excluded. Um, it was by no means that I ever think that it wasn't like a good move for women's rowing. I just think we needed to find a different event to to a move. But like the need for a women's <laughs> four, the need for a women's four is clearly like, and it's starting to show like you're just getting yeah. these like amazing performances and it's starting to become a boat class really to watch. And I think it really will develop further. 
And I think it's actually, it's, it's been awesome because I think it's continued the theme of this, you know, this Irons renaissance in rowing. In the last four or five years, you know, the competitive um, boats that are coming from the island rowing has been ridiculous. I mean, at the Rio Games, we only really had, you know, obviously the lightweight double uh, Donovan brothers. Um, Sunita competed, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't the world, world champion yet. And then suddenly we've had, you know, if you look across it, you, in multiple boat classes, Iron are represented. And it's nice because I think it's, it starts to add a little bit more diversity to the sport in terms of the people that are medal winners and, and you know, the, the people that do well. And a women's four, I mean, another good event where some new names are starting to uh, make themselves known on the sheet. I mean, uh, shout out to Irish women's four, but coming in second, China, they still rode, China still rode a really competitive time in the women's four. And it's good to see, you know, China with some fast boats. Um, I always feel like, you know, we kind of miss, I mean, we don't often see them too much in, in, in rowing. I mean, at World Champs and Olympics, yes, but it's like, I feel like it's good to see some more fast boats from China, especially on the heavyweight women's side, because the eight also uh, performed well. So just uh, just on, on the Chinese, like w- we spoke about it before, the the that's like the red growth factor starting to come in um, and starting to develop. And we had questions in the previous show about like, why that culturally hasn't always clicked and i think they have had a good day um i just wonder if if they wouldn't have wanted a bit more um how many boats did they send do we know how many they they sent you i did write it i wrote it down somewhere i think they had seven boats here um and they qualified two so i think overall they obviously probably would have hoped to send more but if you look at the boats that qualified they come from one um, team within the structure, this, the the heavyweight women's sweep team. They qualified a heavyweight women's eight. They qualified a heavyweight women's four. And I think if you look at Paul Thompson and Sir Stephen Redgrave and you look at the expertise that they might bring to a rowing program, you you would think that the the you know the presence that would be felt as a sweep team. Disappointing that the, the on the men's side China didn't do as well, but on the women's side I think. Um, definitely a huge step up from um, what we've seen in the past, especially at 2019. Yeah, so, um, especially, I don't think it's been ages since I've seen a fast uh, Chinese women's eight, and it's good to see how they did today. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I see, I'm just seeing the, the overall qualified now between all the regattas. Um, they've got eight crews qualified, but they're virtually, um, six of those crews are coming out of the women. So the only women's boat that they don't have going is a light red women's double. And then the men have only qualified the lightweight, I mean, the men's quad and the uh, men's double. double. So they've got no men's sweep rows going. So it's obviously a piece of the program that's battling with, but obviously the women's sweep program clearly come on in the last two years. Yeah. And don't forget that those men's uh, sculling team is pretty thug. I mean, those, that double is, is beastly. Um, yeah. well, I thought that the, the men's sweep team was like, they were just a little on the small side. Like every time I saw them, I thought they looked a lot of like lightweights in their crew. And um, I don't know. No, I have a lightweight in my crew, but I, uh, <laughs> I thought that they they just look quite small. And, you know, there's nothing like a world rowing event for, for me to arrive and, and to make me feel like an absolute midget. And uh, I just thought I was um, – that some of the Chinese guys were a little bit small. So I thought maybe that they were just trying to fill those spots because they had them. Uh, available maybe maybe they you know maybe they sent uh they had the backing and the resources to kind of like just send a huge catchment of athletes through to find mm. qualification and then you know just see 
uh, if they qualify, if they don't qualify. I think maybe they're not kind of under the same selection pressure that many countries are like. They're probably on the opposite side of the spectrum from maybe a country like New Zealand, who from the outside seems like they have such strict uh, rules going through um, to late qualifiers. But um, talking about, James just said, you know, the Chinese lightweight women's double, I think that's quite a big shock that they didn't make it through um, to to uh, the Olympics, especially considering how they did last time in Rio. But that event, guys, ladies and gentlemen, the lightweight women's double, yo, that's a tough it one. Never, I, never was, you know, to was, hey? It never ceases to deliver, hey? It never ceases to deliver. Every damn time <laughs> that, that race is ridiculous. And it's not only like, they're not only going fast, but they're close and it's chopping and changing. And it's honestly, it's so brutal. Absolutely brutal. No, it is really brutal. Tough, and like, uh, oh, it was really tough to, to see our girls uh, not make it through there. Uh, I think that was a big hit for, for the team. Um, you know, those girls are, I believe, some of the best lightweights in the world. And, uh, you know, they just missed it out on the day. And I mean, I know from 2012 when... You don't make it through at this regatta. It's absolutely brutal, but yeah, yeah a really tough day in the office. I, and I think it, it again talks of like great athletes getting knocked down, like knocked down and not making it through. Um, so that like great women South African double had some serious pedigree in it. And oh my, I, I was I was absolutely gutted earlier. I was just broken. I, I couldn't believe um, when they hadn't made it through. And I, the, the motions I remember thinking through, I was like maybe this is kind of like what I felt after disappointing Rio, but I don't think that even touches, like touches the emotions. I was trying to comprehend what they must be going through. And I'm sure, as you said in the beginning of the show, Jakey, there are many more sad people after today than they are happy. Yeah. Um, it's just an yeah. absolutely brutal, brutal event. I think on that, I mean, the emotional side of this regatta, you know, I've done it. I've raced it in 2012 and I remember not making it and, and how brutal it was, but then when I got to this one, uh, like what I had remembered was not even close to what it actually was. It It's so, so hardcore. You know, you, you've got, first of all, you've got nothing to win. So all you're doing is believing that you have your, your speed to get your own, your spot to Tokyo. And if you don't come in those top two spots, goodbye. You, you're going back to the, back to, to the drawing board, going home with a sucker and there's nothing left. So I thought emotionally mm. it, this regatta was on another level to only have two spots. I mean, even for our event, 13 crews arrived. Every single one of those crews is arriving at this regatta with some belief that they can do this thing. You know, there's not a single regatta. There's not a single athlete at this regatta who's in their boat, like completely thinking that they're not going to do it at all. There's always that little bit of belief. And then each race is just this culling of, so many athletes, so many crews uh, to go through. And I mean, I must say, like going up to that start line today, and I mean, looking at the numbers, knowing that you have the speed and you just need to execute a good race uh, and still knowing that you, you're going to have to take it from somebody else because no one's going to give you anything. And I mean, we've done how many shows, Jake, where we've done where we've interviewed athletes that have gone through this and every single person just talks about how insanely hardcore this regatta is. and yeah, it's still, even I felt I was prepared for it. I still was blown away by how emotionally taxing this uh, this regatta is. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you got it on the head there, first-hand experience. And I think also just to add on to that, people, I think, you know, on top of all of that, this is 
you know, we in, as rowers, we operate in these four-year cycles, you know, where there's a build, there's a, uh, you know, you're building up to the Olympics. So one world champs, even the last world champs, you know, you do badly, but there's, there's a next year, go, there's a late regatta, there's a chance to qualify, there's something to do. This regatta is the end of the cycle. It's the first roadblock for many athletes in, you know, the, the cycle of the four years. So for those, you know, for those athletes that didn't make it, it's only next year, next Olympic cycle in Paris. And for many athletes, it's retirement. So, it, I mean, it really is one of the, it's the, the hardest place to be in and emotionally, it's, you know, it's, it's really, really tough. So, you know, I think for all the crews out there that didn't make it, you know, hats off to you guys for coming out here, giving, giving your best, because I can promise you, the average human being probably doesn't even come close to the kind of pressure and, and the nerves that you have to put yourself in try and and give your shot at a, a dream that most people never get yeah man it's, it's it's too much to try to get your head around man like it's the piece that you tied in there where you're like there's always something else in the sport you know there's always the next step and i think when you start getting to the end of the road here and there are athletes that this is it you know um there's amazing things to come i'm sure in other aspects of their lives but this is the rowing journey the international rowing journey done a lot of people's um, not all of them. A lot of them will go another cycle. We'll get back. It's a short cycle, so maybe that'll tempt a fair few of those who had disappointment today back in. Um, but I, I can remember sitting on the banks of Rio, knowing that I would never ever be that strong again or that fit. And we were gutted. We were we were obviously distraught from having not got it right. Um, and that's a, to some degree the same feeling, except this feeling happens in an empty regatta park with no spectators and your family couldn't travel yeah. and all of that. So I just think the COVID added on to all the stress. And for some people that didn't race for two years, they had to come back for one race. Mm. Um, yeah. I just think this is, this is more yeah. the anti on this one as with everything with COVID, like this one was just a little bit more hectic than we, we often see before. Yeah. But what, and what's also, I find on top of like all of that stress is, you know, in a normal regatta, you're going out to win something. You got the medal on the line, you're going out and like if you miss that, you obviously that disappointment is huge. But here you are going to not lose to not lose that seat that seat, you know. And like sitting on the start line, I could you cannot think past the race. Like every time you try and think, okay, like what are we gonna do after this week or or after um, the regatta? It's just like this abyss because you like you cannot bring yourself to think of like how good it'll feel if you get through and how bad it'll feel if you don't get through. Like you just cannot see past the, the main, the, the, the final race. And yeah, I must say, I, I do not have any plans of ever racing this thing ever again. That's not something I want to do. No, I, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not called a regatta death uh, for nothing. You do not want to find yourself here, but you know, on the flip side on that, that this is a lifeline for so many athletes. That is the, the last chance that they get. And, and for a lot of athletes out there, it is the, you know, it's the ticket that they got. Lawrence is one of them. Um, you know, you, you got a chance, you get the ticket and you're going off to Rio and that's another opportunity to perform. Um, and, you know, I think you look at the results sheet and I think another good example of how this serves as such a cool lifeline for athletes who maybe try something new or, you know, try and uh, rectify disappointments in the past. If you uh, look at the, the women's single skulls, you know, I agree, the, the Greek scholar who raced in the women's pair, you know, they narrowly missed out on qualifications as a young duo in 2019. And uh, one of them jumped out into the single skulls, came here to the regatta 
and she had delivered a, a really impressive dominant performance in the final and got her ticket. And you know, for someone young like that, putting their putting themselves, making themselves a bit known, a, a step towards something bigger, I think it must be you know such a fantastic feeling, especially for someone as young as that getting getting a shot to to go off to the games. Yeah, it's great that you put that one there because um, the French tried the same thing in the lightweight double. They've obviously had a lightweight men's. These guys are powerhouse in lightweight rowing. They try to put. Um, They've had a disappointing four years of their lightweight of their lightweight men's double, and then they put two young bucks in it for this weekend, and it hasn't paid off. But it's it just shows your example, Jakey, shows that sometimes that gamble is worth it, and that you do get um, some young guys coming through and being able to smash it out. So I'm interested by yours because I'd made a note of the lightly French double that 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 gamble hadn't paid off, but it's not always the case. And obviously, sometimes those young guys. Which was the biggest? Uh, my question for you, Jakey, which was the biggest upset of the day? Which is the the one that jumps off the page for you? Oh, I think I jumps know. off I the think I was gonna say yeah, the, the, the biggest upset. Oh, I'll go first, Jakey. I think the because you have the data, so you'll have a, a no. But I think the biggest upset was the uh, British men's pair. You know, the British have this crazy sweep team, all the funds, all the the action, and then to not qualify the men's pair. I think it's shocking from them. They they really they really should have gone through in that thing. When I saw that they they were sending the pair to to late qualification, I was like, cool, they'll definitely get one of those spots. And uh, to see them come fourth, I was I was quite surprised uh, by that result. Which one would you would you choose? Yo, so I I I think I might have even said it in the last episode. I might not. I might not have. I, I'm not sure, but. One of the events where I thought it was done and dusted, one place secured, was the men's single skulls. I thought uh, Nathan from Poland, um, I thought he had, had got the qualification in the bag based off his performances at Europeans and, um, you know, his recent performances. And, you know, he had came third at Europeans behind um, Chetel Bork and um, um, Oli Seidler from Germany. And, you know, that's a really dominant performance to get some uh, good athletes out there. And he gets gets into the final and yo, he came, got the third place um, behind Russia Sculler, who won in dominant fashion and uh, followed by um, a Canadian Sculler by the name of Trevor Jones. So I thought that was quite a, a, a big disappointment and a massive upset for someone like Nathan, who's actually also competed at the Rio Olympics. So I think, you know, that's that's a tough one to to. to Tough thing to happen. Big, big yeah. upset of the day. Yeah, but I mean, talking about the brutality of this of, uh, this event, the men's single skull had twenty six <laughs> entries. Yeah. Twenty six people rocked up trying to go for two seats. I mean, the yeah. racing for that thing was outrageous. And twenty six, twenty seven makes your progression quite nice because you go top three into quarterfinals, top three, into semifinals, top three, into the final, and then race for the two lanes. But the the 26 entries mean you go top one straight through to the semi, everyone else into the rep, and I, that was animal. I mean, to have to race that amount of people and to get through, I'm, I'm not surprised. And also, we have seen in the last few years that the the crews are really strong, uh, single, the, single, the men's single skull, up and down performances from a lot of athletes who can lay it down, get these amazing performances one regatta, and then really struggle to to deliver on the on another. 
So yeah, I mean, the, the, we were saying earlier in the men's single skulls. Um, if you look at like the progression, I mean, they they are really they they culling athletes there. And even on the progression, when you open up the sheet, it's it says usually like one to three through to the next quarterfinal, four to six rep charge. I mean, four to six, it just said eliminated, and you know rep charge. There were no quarters. You went straight to the rep charge, make it to the rep charge into the final, and again top two spots. And, uh, you know, it was quite a big upset not seeing the, the Polish color go through with the Olympic place. But, um, you know, big ups to Canada and Russia for taking those spots. Yeah, but Russia, like we say, they're 26 guys or whatever it was cavoling in. They, um, he ended up being like north of six seconds away from qualifying. So he just walked out the front of the, the single field. Um, I don't know much about him. Um, if he's been racing previously, you might have a better feel on that, Jakey. But... It's just like that final was like pretty blown apart at the front end of it. Hey? Um, fourth place is north of 12 seconds or first place. It's, I know the single always has slightly bigger gaps, obviously, than the eight. But it just seems like considering the number of people that arrived and the number of seats um, available um, overall, like I would have expected a slightly tighter race at the front of that thing. Um, but maybe it goes down into what Lowy was um, implying possibly a bit earlier. Um, it just seems super, super fast from the Russian scala. Um, and it's going to be really interesting, hopefully, to see if those guys stick around for the next World Cup. That's the piece I'm most interested in, to see where these these athletes now fall. And I think probably less than 50% of them will hang around, it's seeming like. Yeah, no, if I flip in, I don't know what's, what the athletes are doing out there, because obviously, you know, with COVID restrictions, the, the interaction between athletes is, you know, restricted to a minimum. Uh, everyone's not trying to get sick, so we, we we haven't even spoken much to other athletes. <coughs> it's not zero. restricted to a minimum; it's zero. I think I spoke to one. I spoke to Max Planner this week. That's the only athlete I've said hello to, and even that was like super distant. And I think the athletes have like there's a huge amount of fear uh, for each other at the boat park uh, because especially this week with all your dreams hanging on that that result. I mean, we've had three COVID tests just to get here and race. And we got another two before we get home. So it's uh, the, the COVID stuff is definitely makes the regatta um, very much in your own bubble, not nearly as uh, interactive as it usually yeah. is. Yeah. So, I mean, like that's, that just adds another element there. Like we, we, um, you know, we, we, we probably would have picked up what athletes are doing when they get to the second world cup, but you, you don't know, but I, I really hope that the, a lot of the field here stays on to race. If I remember from 2016, actually majority of the, the entries didn't race the second World Cup. Um, I can confirm that Lawrence will be racing. I do know this. Lawrence will be racing in the men's for the second World Cup. So, you know, that's good. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it's the, I think that's a good point to wrap up. The next big event is just on the horizon, which is the second World Cup. And uh, we hopefully will... Um, get a, a entry uh, list out soon for that World Cup and see who decided to enter. Yeah, I think yeah, that's going to sure. be some of the best racing. And, uh, it's the first time we're going to see like lots of the the, the big Europeans all together and mm. the continentals. So yes, finally we're going to get a little bit of a taste of what's what the rest of the year will unfold. Yeah, I think this is going to be by far the biggest. Uh, sorry, it's going to be by far the biggest race uh, for the the year. I think before the games. Because I can't imagine that the third World Cup, if people are not hanging around for for the second World Cup, then there's no one's coming back for the third World Cup. Um, no. 
So I'm quite surprised that though, like some of the countries, like I know the Canadians in the four are heading back. And I mean, it's a quite a big, you know, there's a lot of protocol around the COVID stuff just to get you in a race. And it's not that much harder to then just hang around for one more week to get some more racing in, especially considering we haven't had any racing yeah. for the last, uh, you know, year and a bit. So I'm surprised that more countries are not going to stay this year. Um, but obviously we just have to see who, who turns up on the entries list. Yeah, and I think definitely considering that it's at Lucerne. I mean, this World Cup at Lucerne is always the, the biggest World Cup of the year. And it's almost kind of like, I know that, you know, the World Cups are all supposed to be on the same level, but the Lucerne World Cup is, is here just underneath World Champs, just underneath Olympics. So, I mean, this World Cup usually is the is the one place that everyone goes to. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a bit disappointing and maybe a missed opportunity considering the COVID times where, you know, travel is going to be so difficult. But you never know. I think uh, athletes have, uh, programs have done in the past where they haven't done much racing and just gone off to the Olympics with success. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where the chips fall um, for, the, for the second World Cup. Really exciting. We'll probably get a hype train after that um, a bit later this week. Um, but of course, you know, it was, it was great being on the show, getting regarded madness. This is Jake Lawrence. It was good to have you back. Yeah, it was nice to be back. And I mean, Jake and I are both racing the Lucerne regatta. So obviously we'll try and get you guys the hype train, the regatta madness, but it might be a little tricky or delayed, or you might have to suffer James for a, a little bit longer. And, yeah. uh, but I'm sure the content will be there. And, uh, yeah. Oh, also Jake, you did mention the result sheet and the percentages and prognostics that we uh, dish up on world best time for the regatta. And if you want those, uh, we give them out to our patrons. Uh, so go support us on Patreon if you want some more rowing data and we're happy to, to share it to you, uh, share it with you there. So yeah, thanks for the support guys. Thanks for listening. And anything else from you, James? No, man. I'm just looking forward to next weekend and some, some cracker racing. I'm really glad to know that it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. Eh? Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome stuff, guys. Thanks a lot for listening in. And I think that's a wrap. Have, uh, have a good week, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you a bit later on.